If you have your Bibles this morning, we're open to Luke 24. We're going to look there today. You know, I greet you this morning as Easter people. Because that's who you are. You know, in Korea, Christians are called resurrected people. And for an Easter person, Easter isn't just the most important day of the year. The first Easter was the most important day in history. See, the resurrection is the capstone and the cornerstone of our faith. Billy Graham declared, If I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection. Because that's the heart of Christianity. The Apostle Paul felt the same way. He said, if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. So my purpose this morning is to offer God an opportunity to win more Easter persons, to deepen the commitment of those that are already Easter people. Let's look at our scripture this morning, shall we? Luke chapter 24, we're going to start with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw strips of linen lying beside themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now Luke, the gospel writer, tells us the first Easter people were this band of women that came to Jesus' tomb that first Easter morning. What an honor this was, to be the first to discover the Easter miracle. You know, wonder why God chose a band of women. Now, some smart aleck, probably a guy, suggested that God wanted to spread the good news far and wide, and he said, okay, who talks the most and keeps secret the least? And so he chose a group of women. (laughs) I, I don't believe that. See, the women made the discovery simply because they were the first who tried to render a service to the crucified Lord. I mean, they went to the tomb in order to what? Anoint the body with spices. That was the custom. And when they got there, they discovered Jesus had gone. He had risen. Incidentally, the fact that women were the first Easter people, it's just another piece of evidence for the authenticity of Scripture. I mean, think about it. See, there are people that claim the four New Testament Gospels were propaganda documents cooked up by the Emperor Constantine in the early church. And if that were true, they would not have had women as the first witnesses to the resurrection. In Jewish law at that time, women were second-class citizens. A woman's testimony was unacceptable, except in very few circumstances. 
So if the four Gospels were fabrications, if they were made up, they would have had Peter or one of the other disciples at the tomb discovering he had risen. Not a group of women. But see, skeptics of every age have trouble with resurrection. Uh, They ask, do you want us to believe that a dead man walked out of his grave? I mean, that was the attitude of every one of his disciples when they first heard the news, right? But you know, the skeptic may have a tougher explaining job to do than the believer. Something earth-shattering just happened. Any objective observer can tell you that. Now, within a a seven-week period following the death of Jesus, this little band of depressed, cowardly men were transformed into an exuberant team of evangelists, spreading the resurrection news all over the world. Ten of the original disciples were executed for their beliefs. Their lives would have been spared if they had just denied that Jesus arose. But they didn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You see, people aren't usually willing to die for a lie. According to Luke's account of what happened that first Easter morning, two men in dazzling apparel met the women at the tomb. The women bowed in fear and awe, and the men, who were angels, gave these instructions. And it seems to me they told the women, and really they told us, Exactly what is required if we are going to be Easter people. You see, first, an Easter person is one who searches for Jesus. The angel told them they were looking in the wrong place for a living person. But at least the women were searching. I mean, that's more than we can say for the disciples, right? They were huddled in fear and despair, hiding behind locked doors. There's this great promise in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah about those who search for God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You know, I I love Easter morning. And we know that there are many folks in churches today all over the world that they don't usually attend. and And we welcome them. And I offer this gentle admonition. There is a big difference between the way we treat dead heroes and a living Lord. See, we honor the memory of dead heroes, right? Like Abraham Lincoln, for example. We honor him with a respectful nod and appreciation each February. You might even visit his memorial in Washington or go visit his home in Illinois. And we try to remember and teach his principles. And see, if Jesus were nothing more than just a dead hero, then perhaps an annual visit to the church would be sufficient. But if he's a living Lord, that's not enough. If he's a living Lord, then it seems fitting to join with his people and to worship with him continually, weekly, daily, not annually. And how often we Join together as the church is evidence of whether we believe him to be just a dead hero or a living Lord. Are you searching for Jesus? The second, an Easter person is one who remembers God's word. You see, the angel said to the woman on Easter morning, 
Remember what her words are? It says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. I mean, Jesus himself said in Mark 13, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. His words are delivered to us in Scripture. Jesus prayed for all of us believers with these words. He said in John 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You know, the Bible has always been under attack. It still is to this day. Uh, Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code, claims that almost everything in the Bible has taught about Christ is false. The book claims that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and they had a daughter named Sarah and his descendants became the kings of France. In the movie, The Da Vinci Code, it claims Jesus never claimed to be God and he was never resurrected from the dead. Another book on the best-selling list is called Misquoting Jesus. And it claims mistakes by ancient scribes distorted the original message of the Bible. I wonder if that author ever heard of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we believe the Holy Spirit protected the Bible from any significant error. Years ago, the National Geographic Channel presented a program called The Gospel of Jesus, Judas, supposedly revealing that Jesus instructed Judas to betray him, based on a 13-page papyrus document written in Egypt. Church leaders were aware of this and other false gospels, and they denounced them as untrue. And the only antidote, antidote for all these lies is the truth of God's word. I read about a church that had a worship survey of their members, and they found that 61% read the Bible regularly. That means that 39% don't. <laughs> Why is that important? Because the most familiar the more familiar we are with the gospel, the less vulnerable we'll be to the false gospels. I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that in the 2,000 years of Christian history, not a single statement in the Bible has ever been proven false? Okay, third, an Easter person is one who believes the good news. Again, the women of Easter morning make a much better showing than the disciples. From the moment they heard the good news that our Lord has risen from the dead, what did they do? They believed it. They went and told others about it. But, but not the disciples. The news seemed like nonsense to them. In fact, one of the disciples, Thomas, went so far as to say he would not believe until he could see the wounds and touch them with his hands. Later, Jesus showed Thomas his wounds. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Norman Vincent Peale often used a familiar parable to teach about the resurrection. He said this, let's suppose an unborn infant in its mother's womb is able to reason and speak. And suppose also that someone says to it, soon you will leave this place and be born and enter a different realm. The infant might protest and say, I like it here. I am fed. I am warm. I am loved. I don't want to leave this place and be born. But nature takes its course and the baby is born. 
After enduring a slap on the rear and a little bit of crying, he looks up in this loving face, cuddled in those loving arms, and soon discovers he can get anything he wants if he just coos or cries. So the infant says to himself, you know, this is nicer than I thought it would be. The years of childhood pass and the child becomes a youth and adult and, and then later grows old. Body parts begin to wear out and ache and one day the thought of death begins to worry him. And he says, you know, I like this place. I don't want to leave. Death scares me. But nature again takes its course and he dies. And what happens then? Well, the Bible declares, and I believe, that each one of us as believers is born once more. And he looks into the face of someone more beautiful. Loving eyes looking down on him. Underneath are the everlasting arms of our Savior. And he's born again into a heavenly realm where, where there's no more pain. There's no more death. There is no more sin. He is home at last. And you know, I believe that with all my heart. I'm an Easter person. And if you believe it, if you believe the good news, then you are an Easter person too. Finally, an Easter person is one who shares the good news. And that's what the women did, right? I mean, these women were really the first evangelists in history. Verse 9 tells us, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. I read once about a church that gave cross-shaped lapel pins to all of their members. After the service, a young man approached the pastor and he said, do we have any of those crosses left over? The pastor said, yeah, I'm sure we do. Why? He said, well, I'd like to take a few and give them out to some of my friends. And so they set him up with crosses and, and said a prayer of thanksgiving for this young man who wasn't content to just appropriate the good news for himself. He felt a need to share it with others. That's what we are called to do. We are called to share this good news with others. I read about another man who sat in his pastor's office and shared a great memory. He was coaching a girls' basketball team at the church. And at the beginning and end of each practice, they would say the Lord's Prayer. And one girl on the team came from an unchurched family, and after one of the practices, she approached her coach and she said, You know, I feel bad. I, I don't know the Lord's Prayer. And the coach said, Don't worry, we can fix that. And so he had copies of the Lord's Prayer made and he gave them out to all the members of his team. And at the end of the season, he was thrilled when that young girl and her entire family joined the church. See, Coach Smith thought he was just sharing the Lord's Prayer. Actually, he was sharing the good news of Jesus. See, when we get to heaven, as I hope every single one of us will, we, we want to be able to answer this important question. Who did you bring with you? You know, I mentioned Billy Graham earlier. Let me end with a story about him. And in 2000, he was honored by his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. 
And on that occasion, he told the story about Albert Einstein, the great physicist. Einstein was traveling by train from Princeton to New York, and the conductor came the aisle, down the aisle, and he was punching the tickets of each passenger. And he got to Einstein, and the old man couldn't find his ticket. He looked everywhere, but he couldn't find it. Finally, the conductor said, Oh, don't worry, Mr. Einstein. I don't need your ticket. I know who you are. And the conductor went on down the line to the other passengers punching tickets. And he looked over his shoulder and he saw Dr. Einstein still looking everywhere for his ticket. And so he rushed back and he said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about the ticket. I know who you are. <laughs> Dr. Einstein said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> and Billy Graham looked at the crowd and he said, you see this suit I'm wearing? It's brand new. My wife and children keep telling me I need to dress a bit more fashionably, so I went out and bought this suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. Let me tell you about that other occasion. See, this is the suit I'll wear when I'm buried. But when you hear that I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately think about this suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. You see, an Easter person, we know where we are going. And we know where we are going when we die, and it's all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that happened on Easter morning over 2,000 years ago. See, we can say with Robert Louis Stevenson, the star shines over the mountains, the stars shine over the sea, the stars look up to Almighty God and they look down at me. The star shall last for a million years and a million years and a day, but God and I will live and love when stars have passed away. See, we gather today. Well, really, we gather each and every week to remember this same great truth. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's risen indeed. And because of that, it changes everything. And that's why we are Easter people. So let me just ask this morning, are you an Easter person? Have you found Jesus? Do you believe the good news? Have you accepted him as your Savior? Or maybe that's what you need to do today. If that's what you need, I invite you to come. Come down after service and talk to me. Stop by the church this week and meet with me. But don't, don't let another week go by without accepting the greatest gift ever. Don't let another week go by without being an Easter person. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Easter. We thank you that that because not only did Jesus die for us, but because he rose from the dead, because he conquered death, we don't need to fear. And so we live each day in the hope and in the promise that we are Easter people. Jesus is risen. We can go forth with that promise and that assurance. And most importantly, we can share that message of hope to a world that desperately needs it. Be with us as we go. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.